Welcome to Carrots and Suffering, a D&D Odyssey. We are unofficial, which apparently I need to start saying more often, to meet the terms of the D&D Open Gaming License. Hooray! That said, I am Nate, your Dungeon Master, and I am here to invite you to listen in on one of my mini D&D games. Making a podcast creates a very different kind of story that you would not really get around a table every time, and so I'm really loving this grand experiment, which started in 2019. We are on Campaign 2. Welcome. Uh, before you go, leave us a rating and review. Only about one in a hundred people do that, and it does really help us, and we find it very flattering. All right, last time on Carrots and Suffering. Creedon got a set of notes from Dredd, the investigator on the rival adventuring team, that included his investigations into the truth of Sternheim, and also a date between Creedon and Dredd for breakfast in the morning. I think Dredd just asked me on a date, and I'd never been asked on a date before, and I don't even know if I want that, but I said yes because I've never had the opportunity, and I don't know what uh, I want. All right, all right. Oh my god, what right. do I do? Slow down, slow down. <laughs> what is the date? Breakfast. Do you think he's going to try to pull something, though? They're kind of our enemies. Zerus, our barbarian lawyer, now judge, got his hands on a glaive that seems to have some side effects. Note the glaive is very magical. Fuck! Fuck! Why is this a problem? No problem at all. Thank you. I can dispel magic. I could try it. No, that's all right. Can she tell that it's cursed? Wait, hold on a second. We actually know that this is cursed because Poot made yeah, we it, do. right? You know that Poot Carbuncle had a local reputation for making cursed weapons. You know that the mayor had this glaive, and you know that Zerus has this glaive now. Also, the mayor was really obsessed with the glaive, and people tend to be obsessed about their cursed weapons. Zerus, as the judge of this murder trial of the mayor of Sternheim, begins to set up the trial by openly conspiring with the prosecution. Maybe not a great start. Since you're asking, here's, here's how I'm thinking this goes. We look at the evidence that we find, and we build our case based on the evidence we find towards the prosecuting accusation. We need to find a transgression, whether it's murder, whether it's sedition, whatever it is treason we need to prove evidence that happened and then show how that's against divine will our heroes wander the town looking for witnesses to the crimes committed by the mayor and found three of them as well as the mayor themselves and brought them all in for questioning did you have some current sort of uh, financial arrangement with the mayor val well first before anything else happens let me say i appreciate what you're doing i don't think you're compensated enough and and uh, here's a gold. So he was paying you for a sentry duty. Excuse me, sir. Are any of these people on? Uh, <laughs> were, were any of them on that list or on that <laughs> on that special jobs team? Picks up your list and looks at it and says, "Yes, Reeman, Dickens, and Wakefield." So just to make very certain, you'll swear to me right now, to the luminous one, that you did nothing to break break your oath. For the last month. I swear to the Luminous One that I have defended the honor of the Ostrogarian Empire. Our heroes went out and spoke with the centaurs, getting them to agree to the trial and release Mayor Val into their custody. Well, let's let's try to make this an opportunity. Let's try to take this disaster and use it as something to mend our two peoples instead of further divide them. 
I mean, I assume that if we are able to arrange this trial, that we will have the opportunity to question him with the zone of truth. It's not certain that we can get you the truth. So I have to, I have to tell you truthfully that. But that said, I would like to take Val into our custody, keep him in our prisons, in our jail, and hold him on trial tomorrow. He has committed crimes that we already know of, and he will be at least punished for those. All right, let's get into it. Hi, I'm Nate, and I will be your Dungeon Master. Hi, I'm Mandy. I play Boulain, the Death Cleric. Hi, I'm Claire, and I play Creedon, the Warlock of Love, who was terrified for her first date. <laughs> Hi, I'm Robert, and I play Zerus, the Dark Arbiter. What, that's it? Just nice. The dark Arbiter? He's about to do arbitration. It's not that we were the Dark we are, Arbiter. He is about to do some arbitration, it's true. You are a Dark Arbiter. You really, <laughs> you really, <laughs> you really shouldn't let like a group you're a part of become your whole life. The way that our characters have. <laughs> you need to get some friends outside the party. You, uh, you want me to be as loyal and entrenched in the party as I can be. If this, if this is true. Actually, I probably this is quite that, true. Yeah. <laughs> we we just worry when you start disapproving of your party members, the level of disappointment we're going to be dealing with. No, we'll be all he has by then. It's not that I'm mad. It's just that I'm disappointed. <laughs> and, and disappointment leads to murder. <laughs> Usually, yes. That's how you handle disappointment. <laughs> So where where are we in this? <laughs> We're about to start our investigation. Right. We are going to lock up Val for the night. In a fourth room. In a fourth room, and then interview interview our three uh, sweating peasants. <laughs> I I also was thinking about questioning someone else. Max? Yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking we should mm -hmm. probably be questioning Max, too. and we should question Max Wait. before he has a chance to talk to Val. Oh no, no, no! You had, you know, I have another witness to question, so let me go and do a little bit of investigation of my own. All right, and uh, we'll reconvene. And I head off towards the tavern. Lulane would like to track down Max before they, they before they have a chance to talk to Val. Max is chatting. You find him kind of out helping people rebuild. He doesn't seem to be building a case. He's just helping them out. Max is, again, a tall, lanky, kind of like 17, 18-year-old-ish, and he is throwing lumber around like it is nothing. Okay. Oh, oh to be a youth with a good back. <laughs> uh, Creedon, did you go with Zerus? Zerus has to go alone, so okay. I probably came with you. Max? Oh, yeah. Hey, Lane, Creedon, what can I do for you guys? Can we? Sorry, sorry. You gals. Trying to be trying to be more inclusive. Trying to be inclusive. Uh, yeah, thank you. That is a pretty How nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> can we ask you some questions? Yeah. yeah. Give me give me the questions. What do you got? Lay them on. She's going to pull him away from the crowd. Max, I, I know you are the defense for Val rictus tomorrow but you were here and involved in what happened and some of what went awry and we need to ask you about the part that you and chastity and dread played okay ask away what happened 
when you all came through the first time? Yeah, well, we were sent to report to Mayor Val. We did. Mayor Val informed us that there was hostilities, that six farmers had been killed by the centaurs, and that a war was looming, and we needed to subvert that war at all costs. So um, we went out, we interviewed the centaurs. Their story was that two of them had been killed, and they were, in fact, preparing for war. War was being instigated by the son of the previous warlord, who I guess was dead. And, you know, we told him that uh, we didn't think that was a good idea. He didn't really listen to reason. So I gave him, uh, I gave him 24 hours to think about it. And he, uh, well, then I handed it off to Dredd. And Dredd did what? Well, Dredd did what Dredd does. He interrogated some people. He came up with some information. He slipped a message serentip- sera- surreptitiously surreptitiously <laughs> to this centaur war chief. And when he came to claim the horsehair armbands of office that Dredd said he had, we gave him one more chance to bow out. He didn't take it. Horsehair bands of office? I mean, you have to ask Dredd for all the details. He's the smart one. But basically, they wear horsehair armbands as a sign of who's the leader. So the shaman has one in the war. Lord has one. And Dredd got it off of some local farmers. Got them off of some local Mm. farmers. And we were going to try to trade them. Basically say, here's your bands. Go away. And he he got mad. It turned into a fight. He didn't make it. So Dredd and the chief's son fought and Dredd killed the chief's son. Oh, no, no, I killed the chief's son. (laughs) Man, I love this witness. Did you all inquire how the farmers came by those armbands? I did not, no. I think Dredd did, though. He probably, you know, he probably did what he always does, you know, take some notes, talk to some people. You'd have to check his notes. Do you still have the bracelets? Yeah. Can we take those from you? Uh, no. Why? I mean, what do you want them for? negotiating peace, Max. You're going to offer them the same deal we did? I I highly doubt it will be the same deal. Uh, I mean, okay, I'm inclined to to do this, but like I want to be the one to offer the deal here because let me let me be blunt, right? I need a win here. I'm a little I'm a little concerned that my reputation might take a hit if we don't uh if we don't secure a win. It was our plan to offer them these to have them go away. Initially, I just want to do my plan again. Max, the centaurs have lost three of their country people. They are not going to go away until they see some justice. Well, I don't know what to tell you. If you think justice is going to be handing them back these bands, then I'll give them to the judge tomorrow. Okay. That will have to suffice. We are going to need those armed bands as evidence in the trial. The judge will be pre-notified that we are expecting these. I am in the trial, I'll be there tomorrow, and I will bring the armbands. And Max, we need to call you as a witness. I'm afraid I can't be called as a witness as the defense. I am the defense attorney. I told them not to make me the defense attorney. They did it anyway, so can't be helped. Why didn't you want to be the defense attorney? Well, probably because we did what Val said, because that's what we were told to do, and it turns out he was a monster. You were told to do what Val said by Tanglebeard? Yeah, he gave us the job. Mayor Val is having a problem with aggressive centaurs. Deal with Mm. it. We came down here. Mayor Val told us centaurs had killed six farmers and they wanted to go to war. We dealt with it. It was dealt with. Max, this is very important. 
the exact wording in the job you received in writing? Did it say to do what Mayor Val said? Oh, oh God. Um, <laughs> he ordered a code red. No. <laughs> the exact wording was Mayor Val requests, formally requests support from Astragar to deal with aggressive centaurs. That's the wording. That's the job. That's what we did. I don't feel bad about it. He was being a dick. Mayor Val was being a dick. No, no, that centaur was a huge dick. Like, he hated all humans. He wanted to just run the whole friggin' town down. Look, Max isn't going to be the one on trial. We're here worrying about Val. Yeah, sounds like we need to try to get Dread to talk. Or reinvestigate his notes. (laughs) Villain will say, thank you, Max. This has been very helpful. Hey, I do what I can. Alright, I'm gonna go keep helping some people. Wait, I've got some questions for you. Yeah, okay, what do you what do you got, Creighton? I'm here for you. So like you and Chastity, what's the deal? <laughs> yeah, okay. So I, I don't know how you picked up on that, but it is kind of a new thing. It's kinda of what I do. Yeah, yeah, no, it was good. It was so anyway, Chastity and I were like out hunting the undead, and I just I noticed something about her, you know? She's a really like independent, strong woman. And I want it, I want an independent, strong woman in my life. So I I I thought I was like, Dread. I need you to go try to figure out what happened in the graveyard in Palmville. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Dredd was like, all right, I'll do that. And that's what Dredd's good at, man. He's like a master investigator. Oh, no. Uh, weird. He didn't find a whole lot, honestly. Apparently, all the key witnesses left Hound uh, and <laughs> fled to Turtle Bay, which is odd. But we'll, we'll, we'll track him down, actually. We're going to go to Turtle Bay after this. But anyway, so well, Dredd was away. I made my move, right? And I was like, hey. Uh, I want to spend more time with you. And it turns out she was into it. She was into it. Uh, Max, you could do better. I, you know, I am not one to judge an odd pairing. If it's ma- if it is making you happy, I wish you well. Well, I mean, we spent a lot of time together, you know, and here's the thing. We have a similar belief system, her and I, you know, like she believes in, in, in personal power. And I believe in, albeit a slightly different kind of personal power, but still personal power. Gods give her magic. Makes a little bit more sense. The gods give me rage. Hey, whatever. Well, perhaps Divine Mercy has smiled on you, too. Yeah, you know, it was weird. It was, um, I think, I think it's just, you know, like being around the same person all the time. Really, they grow on you. I suppose that is true. So, like, what is Dread like for breakfast? <laughs> What's a, what a weird question. Um... <laughs> Dread. What is Dread like for breakfast? He's usually like he's not. He's kind of a no nonsense kind of guy, you know. Like usually just like a biscuit and some jam is it for him. He's and then like a dozen smoke breaks. He doesn't eat a lot. <laughs> Black coffee and cigarettes. Black coffee and cigarettes. <laughs> breakfast. Poison and diesel fuel drives his rage. Okay. Uh- <laughs> all right. Cool. Uh, that's all. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. Anytime, guys. I'm going to get back to it. These people need my help, and I am going to help them. I don't know if I like him or not. (laughs) I am with you on that. It is hard to tell what to think. Max heads back out to the workers who greet him with like, Max! (laughs) He certainly has a way with people. (laughs) Meanwhile, (laughs) Zerus, you're at the tavern. Anything you want to do specifically? Yeah, do you know know the witness I'm going to question, Nate? No, I don't. I'm going to tell the innkeeper... I need a room. 
Done. I go upstairs to my room. Okay. I take out, let's call it 300 gold pieces. Okay. I lay them down on a, in a, in a long bed. Mm-hmm. I put the halberd on it. And for the next hour, I tune to the halberd. Nice. Okay. The halberd makes this even easier because you're paying it, it would seem. And the halberd says to you, follow me and you will be rich. Well, yes, let's work together. I don't think our goals are at odds. I have some questions. I was hoping you could answer them. Yes. And uh, I give you tribute. And I will carry you faithfully, and I'll feed you what you need. I wish to accumulate the hoard that was denied to me in life. I understand that. I have a fair portion of that. And also, you know, why don't we collect some new hoard? We don't need to go after the old stuff entirely. There's there's other rich deposits. <laughs> and we'll... Unlimited potential. Exactly. That's what I was thinking. But it all, <laughs> it all starts with what Mayor Val got up to while you were mm. with him. What did you witness between him and the centaurs? Val does not get his hands dirty until the moment of truth when he could claim the gold that was rightfully his. I whispered of its presence in his ears. Did you ever possess the mayor? No. Who did? Because it sounds like he got possessed by some other force. He was lying to you. Hmm. You gave him an opening to lie and he took it. That's funny, because I thought he was just a weakling. No. Mayor Val is an incredibly powerful man. He can do great damage, not just with his arms, well, but with his mouth and his mind. Hot. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's make sure Mayor Val's not a problem for us. We're looking for the crimes he committed, and evidence that he committed them. What do you got? There was a man named Reeman. Yep. Reeman was paid to fire the first shot when they met with the centaurs. Reeman was paid to spark the controversy. Reeman was paid to retrieve those items that barred the way to the gold. I think this is the start of a beautiful friendship. Please enjoy your bet. Together. We will claim so much more than this. <laughs> I think you're right. Uh, I assume the gold disappears or is consumed into the halberd. Let me roll a dice here. The The gold is sort of pulled into this halberd. It's, it's not in the way that you would think. Like, the halberd doesn't gain any mass. Right. It maybe sparkles a little bit. And it's not that the gold coins disappear... But they seem to sort of like shrivel up. They don't look like gold anymore. The the value has been drained from them. All right. 300 gold down. 300 gold well spent. <laughs> I that was clever. I love that. Yeah, that was neat. <laughs> uh, two more questions that I can think of real quick. What do I call you? What do you call me? This is a good question. Don't give it a name. Then you have to feed it. Well, I guess you've already, I, you already I, I promised to. I just, I just <laughs> I'm not sure I wish to go by the name I had in life, but perhaps 
I will go by Nodig. Nodig? Did you just do another name generator thing? <laughs> Stop it. <I> for, for, for magic <laughs> weapons. Don't, 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 don't peek behind the curtain. No, this is an incredible <laughs> other vestigial god with a long backstory and craft. Nodig <laughs> was the name of my father. And there are times that I will need to conceal your presence either by leaving you somewhere or if you have the ability by changing your form a glaive i was crafted and a glaive i must remain i can however hide my nature some excellent if you can be obfuscated that will help us in the coming mo in the coming days consider it done thank you master <laughs> all right But Lane will look at Creedon and say, Creedon, do you have those notes that Dread gave you? Yes, Creedon will whip them out. Nate, can I do a new investigation now pointedly looking for references to these armbands? Okay, go ahead and roll me investigation. That's a 13. There are some references. Apparently he took the the armbands from a uh, a guy named Wakefield. He had them. Okay. Does he say anything about like the circumstances? The notes from Wakefield seem kind of vague. It looks like he arrived to Wakefield very late in his investigation. Okay. So he didn't write much. He just, Wakefield had the armbands. He returned them when I threatened him. Boulain looks at Creedon and says, shall we go find Dread? Uh, can't we just go question the guys that we have in the room well, I, we also need to do that boy this is a, yeah that's a big way more important <laughs> when i when i'm done i'll just be sitting down in the tavern waiting for them playing dragon chess with myself <laughs> mm-hmm. dread max and chastity will come into the tavern sit down uh, order themselves some food and eat up wave at you happily uh, max will wave at you happily chastity <laughs> doesn't seem to care for you and dread doesn't wave he tosses his hair. I will I'll wave I'll greet them back with a smile. Everybody comes back together at the inn. So I've learned some interesting things, I guess you have as well. Some. I would like to question our friends in the barracks. So the witness I spoke with, who I think is pretty reliable, said that Reams is the person who was responsible for firing the shot that started the at least that he was paid to start the fight with the centaurs that leaded to bloodshed the first time. Hmm. So Raymond's our key witness. The mayor Val lied to us about losing time. Well, I am not surprised. I, I picked up that he was lying about his claims to not give hostile instructions to the 12 he sent. So not that that is admissible in court, but that is a good lead. He paid Reams to start the fight, and Reams is the one to look at for that. All right. Who, who did you question? Hmm? Who did you question? I mean, you said that we needed witnesses. I questioned the patron of, of Val. Yeah, that that seems like something you would do. <laughs> Creedon wouldn't question that. You spoke to the Radiant One directly? Not the Radiant One directly, but someone who has power over Val in that same way and was close to him. <laughs> I'd see you going for an insight. Can I roll insight <laughs> on Zerus? <laughs> I mean, you can roll it in uh, you want. Uh, 15. 
My deception is a 15 plus 2, so 17. Oh, dang. Xerus hasn't given anything away. You notice he's being vague. Vague and cagey. Some divine secrets we keep to ourselves. I'm sure you and your order can understand that. I can understand that, Xerus, but I am looking for evidence we can present at a trial tomorrow. Then question reams. All right. You'll be joining us, correct? Yes. All right. To the barracks. You arrive at the barracks. There are three rooms. Who do you want to talk to first? Probably Raymond. Mm. Uh, if we can crack that nut, then we're probably pretty done. Yeah, that's true. We do want to get a version from all three of them, I think. Of course. And I mean, we don't have to roleplay all that, but... <laughs> I would start with Dickens and begin with, we know Reams was paid to fire the first shot, but what did you It's Raymond. Reamon, yeah. We're already nicknaming them. I mean, <laughs> classic Reams. <laughs> classic Reams. <laughs> well, for the line of questioning, what if we start gently with them? What did Val pay you to do and see what they say? And then we can start in on some of the more suspicious aspects. Sure. Are we going to roleplay all of these? <laughs> you are, all right. because They're gonna say different things. it's not going to go quite how you oh, think right shit. now. <laughs> Nate. Oh, no. What has he done? Are we set on letting each of them believe we have already spoken with the other two? I'm not set on that, but that's a good tactic to use. I mean, I'm going to let you two lead this. I'm simply trying to mm. offer why I've set it up this way. All right. Of course. Your looming presence may be helpful, though. <laughs> I can loom like a dragon. <laughs> All right, we will go in and talk to Dickens first. You step through the door, and Dickens immediately turns to face you. There's sweat running down his face. And he says, you're here. He turns around and says, it, it was Whitfield. It was Whitfield. Whitfield did it. The whole uh, thing. Oh, it was all slow Whitfield. Slow down, Dickens. We, we, need to, we need to paint an entire picture. Wakefield did what? Exactly. <laughs> Wakefield, Wakefield started the fight with the centaurs, and Wakefield disappeared the night that the two murders happened in town. It was Wakefield. Oh, yeah. That was the thing I forgot to mention that um, my source said that Remus... Remen. Remen was also paid to take care of those two, and I wanted to relay that as well. Are we retconning that? You said that before we came in the room. If Nate's all right with that, that's my... Yeah, that's I mean, fair. I thought that that's what you had told us. It wasn't Zerus's intention to lie to you. So It yes. wasn't my intention to hide you that can, fact. That's fine. Uh, all right. Dickens, can you start from the beginning, from when Val hired you? Well, okay, Neil hired Neil. me, and, you know, Val paid us, and he said, it's just guard duty, it's just guard duty, and our job is to go out there and stand there and look mean, and we got up there, and, you know, the main guy in the front said, you're not allowed in town anymore, and then, boom, this arrow comes out of freaking nowhere, comes out of nowhere, and I look over, and... Wakefield has his crossbow out, and there's no bolt in it. So I'm pretty sure it was Wakefield. And then Wakefield shoots this this shaman, and so the shaman pulls out his glaive, and he cleaves the dude who just told him to stay away, like, freaking in half. Like, bam, like this spear pike thing, just douche, straight through the shoulder. He goes down. And then I don't even know what happened after that. It was just a fight. It was just a fight crossbows were shooting short swords were swinging in the end like half of us were dead we won barely all right so you had a beat on wakefield somewhat what was reman doing 
in that moment. Well, he was right by Wakefield. And he also had a crossbow out? Um, I don't remember seeing one, but yeah, maybe, probably. He had one. With a bolt in it? Like I said, I wasn't really paying attention to him because I thought Wakefield shot it. He didn't have a bolt in his crossbow. Okay, Dickens, we we have already spoken to Wakefield, and he seemed to indicate that you might have been the one to fire that first shot. That is bullshit. (laughs) That is 100% bullshit. I would never have done that. You couldn't pay me to do that. Do you know how terrifying centaurs are? Two of them killed six of us without even trying. Can I roll an insight on yeah, this? I'd like to roll insight too. Yeah, roll it. Uh, yeah, that. Oh, it's not a net one. It's just a seven. I got an eighteen. <laughs> the impression you get is he is earnestly trying to tell you the truth and get himself out of trouble. He knows that their crime has been committed, and he believes it was Wakefield. Okay, and there's no like deflection here. Like he he is just pissing himself and trying to come clean. He is desperate to get you to understand his side of the story. What was your relationship to both Wakefield and Riemann before all this happened? Were you friends? Uh, sort of. I mean, our farms are next to each other on the on the east side of town. You know, we farm, like, we trade regularly. I mean, we knew him. Right. Were you closer to one or the other of them? I mean, not really. You know, like, We've had a few drinks at the tavern. We've made some business deals in the past, you know. We trade eggs for leather products and things. You know, it's just, it's a normal relationship. When the fight broke out and people died, did you turn and run or did you fight? To be honest, I don't, I don't think I hit anybody. Like, I'm a far, I suck at this. I was just there to look like a large number of people. Like, that was the whole job. I've never swung a sword in my life before that day. Did you take anything from the centaurs after they died? Any of the three no. of you? Not just you? No, like I didn't, I didn't even, I was too shocked to take anything from them. But like, I'm pretty sure Wakefield got there first. I think he took something from them. Like they had these, um, these really fancy things on their arms. So you saw Wakefield take these things from their arms? Well, no, no, I didn't see him take them, but I he was the first person taking things, and I assume that's what he would take. They didn't have, like, money. He was the first person you saw taking things. Did others come and take things? I mean, well, pretty quickly there was a group of people around the bodies, so yeah, probably. And you yourself did not take anything? No, I mean, there wasn't, like I said, there's nothing to take. They don't have money. Their weapons are too big for people, like normal people. Like, what is there to take from them? All right. Boulain looks to Creighton and says, do you have any questions for Mr. Dickens? I think you did a good job. We can uh, we can return if we have any others. All right. At the moment, no. Please get comfortable, Mr. Dickens. You are going to be spending the night here. Oh, God damn it. Okay, thank you. <laughs> you should watch your mouth when there are so many paladins around. Oh, sorry. Sorry, sir. Sorry, sir. <laughs> I'm going to refill his water and say, you should drink some of this. You look like you need it. You're you're sweating quite a lot. Yeah, yeah, great. Boulain will take a surreptitious look around and make sure there isn't any way for him to hurt himself <laughs> while, we're out, while we're out. No, I mean, like, he's in a storage room. He's mostly terrified. Make sure we don't kill off a key witness. 
I'm just waiting for us to open one of these doors and there's a body in it. There's a, yeah, there probably will be. Or, or one, of, one of them is going to bull rush us. <laughs> All right. So shall we talk to Wakefield next? Let's do it. Into in to talk to Wakefield. Storytime, apprentices. In the age before the Empire, when the lands were wild and full of terrible monsters, there was a town where everyone feared death. In this town was a nobleman, held above the rest, who feared death most of all. This tiny hedge-king knew in his deepest soul that if the silent judge cast her gaze upon him, he would leave this life forever forgotten and the fear grew. This noble demanded that all death happen outside the walls of this town, that as people would age or sicken they were forced to leave, to be claimed by the wilds of the green man, ever without mercy. The people were not allowed to grieve, for the rituals of death might turn the divine gaze upon this land. In time the fear grew worse, and this self-proclaimed king banned animals, pets, and meat from his presence and began to subsist only on the fruits of the land for fear that even small deaths would turn the raven goddess upon his soul and steal it away to the lands of the dead. In this town was also a great sage, whose advice was prized above all others. Sage began to see the damage done by the king when those cannot see death. They fear it greatly, rather than accept its role in this world. When those cannot mourn their dead, they become cold and empty toward the living. For as divine mercy teaches, those who turn off one of life's many emotions, turn off all. The sage foresaw a new kind of sickness that would end all the good and order in his tiny kingdom. For people without love in their hearts without knowledge of the sanctity and power of death, could never truly live in peace, for they would never choose it. The sage went to this tiny hedge king and whispered to him the truth, but the king was not swayed. The sage held a mirror to his face to show the weathered, the tired, the thinning, and the aches and pains of age. And still the king was not swayed. The sage pointed to the king's beloved in her face. He could see the same. How would she be remembered? And still, the king was not swayed. In desperation for the future, the sage traveled to a nearby town, seeking the advice that would sway this wayward noble's heart. He found the land where all the elderly and sick had gone with their pets and their cattle, life in all directions a place familiar with death and ready to remember the living with dignity and sadness. The sage sat through a funeral and watched an internment and saw the beauty that was possible in welcoming an end. He turned home with truth in his heart, and in his wake followed ravens by the hundreds, casting their shadows over the land. When the sage arrived, they were not the same. The silent judge had touched them with power. They came to return respect for death back to the people, 
to end their fear. With the power of the goddess, the sage healed the heart of the nobleman, who finally saw the error of his ways. When the nobleman passed, the rites of death were once again shown in the streets. The people were moved to tears. They embraced those they loved. And they began again to understand the importance of life through the importance of death. So you see, apprentices, the silent judge is not to be feared. In time, I too will return to the lands of the dead. And when I go, remember me with tears in your eyes and love in your heart. Laugh as I leave. For a remembrance of death is truly a celebration of life. Remember, even as we study death, that we must respect its role. Do not fear it. Only understand. Now return to work and cast aside those grim expressions, for that is temporary, as are we all. All right, you step in. Wakefield looks a little calmer. He's clearly bored, turns around and says, yeah, what what can I do for you? I don't know your title, investigator, your honor, paladin. Well, Zerus, I suppose, is a your honor, but I am a prosecutor and Creedon is a prosecutor. Oh, guys, I didn't do, I didn't do anything. Like, I don't, you're, don't prosecute me. I didn't, I don't have any money. I don't, I'm a farmer. Wayne looks to Creedon and says, would, would you like to take this one? Sure. We are not here to try to blame you for any wrongdoing. We're trying to gather information about the conflict with the centaurs. Can you tell me about the jobs that you were given? The mayor was worried that the militia wasn't enough, and so he hired extra people to look like a militia. And uh, we were just supposed to like wear armor and carry swords around and, and like make mean faces. And the time that you went to parlay with the centaurs, can you tell me about that time? Yeah, so uh, that didn't go well. That didn't go well at all. I mean, I wasn't like, I didn't think it was going to go bad, but it went real bad. And I like, to be honest, I wasn't even paying attention. I was just, I was there looking mean. They were talking to each other. And the next thing I know, like there's crossbow bolts flying everywhere. There's a spear through the guy who was doing the talking. It it was bad. It was just bad. Did you end up getting involved in the fight? Uh, I mean, I tried to help, but like, I might have gotten a hit in, maybe. Uh, Creedon, maybe you should ask him if he knows how to use certain equipment. Mm. Yeah, because it was the crossbow. Dickens said he was holding a crossbow Dickens had said you were using. What is your, your weapon of choice in a fight? Uh, nothing. I mean, my weapon of choice... Is a, a, a machete, a sickle. I could, I could use a scythe really well, but like we had we had short swords and crossbows. Like Christ, I don't even know how to load a crossbow. <laughs> I'm gonna roll insight on this. Yeah, I'm, I was insight oh. on that one. That's a thirteen, I think. Let I, me double check my bonus. I got a ten. <laughs> this is another guy trying desperately to get you to understand his side of the story and is earnestly telling you everything he knows. What exactly was happening whenever the fighting broke out? What did you see? 
I, like I said, I was I, like I wasn't even paying attention. Like I was in the back. My job was to look like a guy who could fight. That's it. That was what I was doing. I was just standing there. I have a hard time believing that in this tense situation where you're facing off with centaurs, you aren't paying attention. Well, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> you're saying that how much of an idiot this guy looks like. <laughs> Wakefield, who, who was immediately around you? where you were standing. You said you were in the back. Who else was in the back? Reeman was with me. Yeah, I was hanging with Reeman. And what was he doing? I mean, same thing as me. He was he was looking, you know, like a guy who knew what he was doing. Did he look like he knew what he was doing, though? Well, yeah. I mean, we all did. We were all, you know, we had the crossbows out and we were like looking mean and, you know, that was what we were supposed to do. Was Reeman's crossbow loaded? Does he know how to use a crossbow? Uh... I don't know what you're getting at, man. Reeman's a great guy. I've known him for probably 30 Mr. years. Mr. Wakefield, we need you to just answer these questions. Does Remus know how to use a crossbow? Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe? I've never seen him use a crossbow. Do you know if his crossbow was loaded in the moments before the fight broke out? It was It was a crossbow, man. Like I, They're always loaded, right? That's how they work. You pull the thing back and then they shoot something. Didn't you just say that you don't know how to load one? That's that's not how a crossbow works. You don't just pull the thing back and it shoots something. Okay. Look, I mean, like I said, guys, I don't. I'd never even touched a crossbow in my life. It was the first time I've ever had one. Well, you see, we're finding that somewhat hard to believe because one of your companions has said that you instigated the violence, that you were the one who shot first. No, that's impossible. Like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing, and I don't believe you at all, because Reeman and Dickens are my best friends, and uh, they would never uh, say uh, something uh. like that. <laughs> you, you are quite close to Reeman and Dickens, both. Yeah. No, we live right next to each other. We grew up together. We're, th- we're, like, we're like thick as thieves. I don't mean that literally, though. I've never stolen anything <laughs> in my life. <laughs> um, were you closer to one of them than the other? No, no, they're just, we've, we're like the three com- amigo compadres. We're like, our whole lives are together. Like, our wives know each other. Oh, but you've never... Our cows have had baby cows together. <laughs> you've never done target practice together? Practicing shooting no. wolves that might come eat some of your livestock? No, no, I have dogs for that. Wakefield, we have been led to believe that you may have taken something from the two centaurs once they went down. Is that true? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Do you still have what you took? No. Who does? No. One of the mercenaries from the capital came and took them from me. They said I wasn't supposed to have them, that I'd committed a crime by taking them, and that if I didn't hand them over, I'd I'd get in trouble, so I just handed them over. Why did you take them? They're pretty. Nobody told you to take them off of them? No, no, the guy who was supposedly in charge is dead. Like, we didn't know what to do after that. What were you thinking to do with them? Honestly, I was, I just thought maybe they'd sell for something. And then I took them home and I just, I thought they looked nice. And I put them on my mantle. There's, there's, they're just really pretty. They're like horse mane bracers. So you took trophies from creatures that you claim not to have even attacked? What? They were dead. I mean, what did you want me to do with them? Like, I'm not going to pick them up and take them back to the centaurs and here you go. These people that died, here's your stuff. 
I mean, they'd have killed me on the spot. I just, I, like, I... Normally, you wouldn't collect any trophies from the dead. I mean, okay, maybe it wasn't the smartest idea. Dread made that very clear. <laughs> what, uh, what do you know about Raymond? What kind of person is he? Oh, he's a really great dude. Like, he's the best. I think he knows how to, like, hunt and trap. No, he knows how to trap. He's, like, a trapper. So, like, he always has a bunch of furs and stuff, and then we we trade him, you know, eggs, vegetables, that kind of stuff for furs. And he always gives me fair prices. He's a really great guy. What is his temperament like? Oh, like I said, he's a really great guy. Like, he shouts sometimes, but not, like, a lot. He has a temper? No, I mean, barely. But, like, I mean, not, like, enough that you'd be concerned. Was he, did he struggle with his finances? Raymond? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, he did always give me really good prices on the trades that we made. So, like, maybe. I don't think he was making out, you know, like, real well. Do you know of anything that had happened to him recently that he would need money? No. No, that doesn't make any sense. Had any of the three of you had encounters with centaurs at all? before this happened they came through here and traded on occasion had you ever traded with them before no i mean i've seen them at a distance but they usually trade with other people like they're not usually after farm goods they're after like you know metal swords and tips of pikes and things like they mostly eat grass (laughs) (laughs) it's funny because i'm pretty sure centaur anatomy is not at all evolved to eat grass but um I mean, don't they have, like, six stomachs or something? Uh, Sure. No idea. Believe it or not, I have never performed an autopsy on a centaur. All right. um, I advise you to get yourself comfortable. We will make sure you have more water, but you will be spending the night here. Yeah, all right. All right. I do have an unrelated question I was just curious about. You know, it sounds like you all have families, uh, so we want to let them know you'll be here since you won't be able to contact them. You have a wife? Yeah, and, yeah, I have, a, I have a wife and and two kids. And Dickens ha- also has a wife. Yeah, yeah, Dickens has a wife. He doesn't have any kids. And Reeman has a wife. You said. Yeah, and and one son. Perfect. Thank you. Your smile is so scary. <laughs> you step in. Reeman has made himself comfortable in this storage room. He has eaten the snacks and drank the water you left. Creighton, and he looks pretty calm, uh, calmer than the other two people did. We didn't decide ahead of time who was going to take the lead on this. <laughs> you may Creighton ask looks your at questions. <laughs> Reman? Yes, Boulain. We need to ask you some questions about the day that you and your fellow farmers went to meet with the centaurs. Uh, yeah, so we can do that, but we got to get a little, a little agreement out of the way first. So... When I'm hired by the church to do a job, I have immunity and also uh, a measure of client protection that I secure every time. And so I'm very limited in what I, what my professional ethics will allow me to tell you here. Well, we are under authority of the church to investigate. And I believe that we are in a position that supersedes... Your own limitations. Lane holds up a hand to Creedon and, and looks at Zerus and says, what are the legal parameters we are operating within? Considering that our directive comes from Bishop, is it? Bright- Bishop Brightwind. Brightwind. It's hard to imagine that uh, whoever 
give you your orders and authority supersedes that. That is hard to imagine, isn't it? Great. <laughs> so I think we have an understanding. Uh, I don't know if we do, but uh, you can start asking your questions and I'll see if I can help you. Tell us about what happened the night that you and some of the other militiamen went to encounter the centaurs. Yeah, a group of us went, about, about a dozen of us went to pass on the mayor's message that the centaurs were not allowed in any way, shape, or form into the town, and shots were fired. Things went awry. People died. Shots were fired. Who fired first, Raymond? Um, that is uh, information I cannot tell you. Because you fired the first shot? Because my professional ethics dictate that uh, my trade secrets uh, remain a secret. On whose authority? Your, friend, your friends have already told us that you fired the first shot, Raymond, and they are witnesses to the entire scenario. Roll me deception, but you have disadvantage. That is an 11. <laughs> I, I I have been in this seat many times, and I understand the tactics you must use, um, but let's face it. Uh, Dickens and Wakefield, great friends, but they're incredibly stupid men. Talking to them, I don't feel like I had the same impression. Oh, well, okay, in fairness, Wakefield is an incredibly stupid man, and then Dickens is, well, he's just painfully, painfully average sometimes. But you're superior. Uh, I have training, uh, schooling. What kind? Expertise. Well, uh, one person in here does not seem to be a church official. And so I'm not sure I can disclose that information. Who are you referring to? That would be you, Creighton. Mm -hmm. Excuse me, I am very heavily involved in the church i will have you know and i have been appointed by my very official mother <laughs> into this role yeah uh, so here's here's the deal i did a little bit of looking i have some sources i knew about the mercenaries moving through the area because i was hoping some of them would pay me to do things my understanding is of the six mercenaries hired by the provincial governor, two of them are not in good standing with the church, and one of them is you, and the other one is uh, uh, Dread. Now, why would a farmer like yourself be that involved to know that information? Oh, I think it's fair to say that, like, farming is a hobby. <laughs> and I'm not even very good at it. Freeman, so, you, uh, you looked into the six mercenaries that have been in old Fenrir for a while you know me yeah well, i mean i don't know you know you but i know you're you have official standing oh let me tell you a little bit more about me i will do whatever it takes to get the truth and the answers to the questions that i find important and so i think it behooves you to understand the authority I have in this room that was given to me by Brightwind, because I'm I'm not afraid to exercise it to do bodily harm. In fairness to you, Zerus, uh, Brightwind doesn't know who I am yet. Until someone knows who you are, 
You're mine. Okay, okay. How how about I give you a little note? You talk to Brightwind with that note. She will give you your new parameters, and then you can come back. I'll wait here. Let's go ahead, get that note, see if we can't come to an accord, and if not, then that'll happen. All right. He walks over to this storage area and kind of pulls some boxes out and manages to find a, a piece of parchment and a quill. He writes something on it, folds the piece of paper up, and says, here you go. I take it, pocket it, and say, ask any questions you feel are relevant right now. Um, Reman, what were the orders that Zal gave you? Uh... Every word. Every word. And I want you to understand that at the trial tomorrow, Bishop Bridewin will be providing a zone of truth for all of the witnesses, including you. I have a hard time believing that after Bishop Brightwin reads my note, she would recommend that action. But if she did, I would definitely comply. But until that happens, I can tell you what the group of 12 people were told to do. But as for what I was told to do, I think that is covered by my professional ethics. What do I roll to know whether he's full of shit? Uh, that would be insight. Like insight, not history. I mean, like, like I want to know if legally he's full of shit. Oh, um, well, so the law would be history. Okay. I mean, I, I can also roll insight, but I, I mean, I already know he's full of shit. <laughs> the DC will be kind of kind wild. Of kind of wild. Creden also <laughs> wants to try this one. Uh, okay. Well, I got a oh, 12. Oh no, I rolled a five. That's an eight. <laughs> <laughs> there is there is nothing that you can think of that would give this person any kind of immunity. That's a hard nut to crack. Uh, Creedon, if you have anything else you'd like to ask, I am done for now. I'm out. This guy's pushing my buttons. Well, Reman, I suggest you get comfortable. I think you are going to be here for a while. Okay. Uh, I will do that. You folks have a lovely day, and I'll see you whenever I see you. Hmm. So we step outside and Definitely. get a little get a little distance away from the door and Villain looks at Zerus and says, if the mayor is the bigger fish to fry, how much harm could it do to give this guy some immunity for confessing against the mayor? Uh, his immunity isn't up to us, right? I mean, he thinks that he will have some after this letter. Is this letter exactly. specifically addressed to Archbishop Brightwind? No, it is a piece of paper folded in half with writing on the inside. I was to read it. Okay, you pull it All open. Right. Do you speak Elven? Nope. I, I can read it. Okay, Creedon, when you pull it open, you cannot read it. It is in Elven. You can show it to Boulaine. I do that happily. Boulaine, mm -hmm. you are very familiar with these words. They're tattooed on you. Fuck. <laughs> I don't know um, what that means. <laughs> Let's see if she actually reacts to this. All right, Boulaine Slate Grayskin goes a little pale, and she folds it up and says, he knows something about me. And that is our show for today. Special thanks to Todd Ferguson of My Pet Machine for our tunes, Julie at Elaborate Fight of Fancy for our logo, and John Tara, the original author of Sternheim in D&D lore back in the 1990s. We have modernized the story, uh, swapped out some NPCs, moved this into my setting, but 
If you create your own combat scenarios with updated rules, D&D has decades of wonderful stories to tell. So go ahead and find those on the internet, and the old ones are usually pretty reasonably priced. Tune in next time to find out what the remaining witnesses saw on Carrots and Suffering, a D&D Odyssey.